Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod, here to talk about MSU's 73-63 win over the Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Before we begin, I'd like to send a special thanks to supporters Chad Hickey and Michael Bosnick, who stopped by and said hi at the game. Hi guys. Uh, And I think Connor, or Colin too, I'm sorry, trying to keep track of everyone, but uh, I kind of missed your name, I think. Uh, So if you want to support the show, like Michael and Chad, head on over to tffinots.com slash support to find ways to give one-time gifts or recurring gifts. Also, I'd be remiss to to say that also that at the close of the last show, I talked about losing my sister's father-in-law to cancer, but I accidentally said my wife's father-in-law, which of course would be my father, which was not what happened. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, and that's, I guess, a really a reflection of the danger of recording shows at one in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, me, let me stop you there for just a second. So you only had two people? Uh, three people came up, up to me. you. Three people came up. Three, to me. yeah. Okay, because I, I actually talked about that on. I was on Jack Ebling's show on mm-hmm. Friday, and we actually talked about that. He mentioned that he knew you were going to the game because he'd listened to the podcast, and I said, "Yeah, I can't believe he announced what section he was going to be in." And uh, so then Jack asked me to repeat it, and I demurred. <laughs> but Jack said he was going to go back and check the podcast and make sure that that got announced. So it sounds like that didn't happen. No. Well, super nice. I mean, just, it's kind of nice to hang out with the guys and talk yeah. to them for a little bit. So, you know, it's sure. always nice to meet the people who support the show. And, and of course, sure. we're up to at the time. So sure. it was nice. So thanks a lot for everybody sure. coming to stop by and say hi. Um, but, I, you know, again, it's, we, we record at crazy hours. I, I guess it you know, shows our dedication, commitment to the show, just our way of squeezing into our lives. And so uh, we enjoy putting them together. I appreciate your support, subscribing, sharing with your family. Uh, the show is consistently the top 100 and usually at least in the top 75 of all basketball podcasts in America. And that includes national shows and the NBA. So a real big thanks to everyone. And so I think it really shows a reflection of the support for Michigan State basketball. So, all right, well, let's talk about the game. Uh, So I was, as I mentioned, lucky enough to attend. And I think it was my first time at Chrysler. A lot of empty seats in the lower bowl, which I fear people probably just gave up the seats, chose not to sell because they'd end up being held by Michigan State fans. And I don't right. know as far as the numbers, maybe 20% Michigan State fans. It's kind of hard to say, uh, but very loud. And uh, I know how annoying it is when Michigan fans show up, start chanting Breslin. So it must have been super hum- humiliating to have Go Green, Go White really loud yeah. chants raining down the court, well, especially in the second I'll half. You, <laughs> I'll tell you what really, to me, was the most striking moments of that. Uh, and they happened twice when Carson Cooper scored. Yeah. And the, the crowd started yelling, Coop. Yeah, and they called it out on the broadcast, which was a brutal broadcast other than that, by the way. But, um, yeah, that was the moment where it really sounded to me like more than 20%. Yeah, they were weird demonstrative, I guess. <laughs> a lot to cheer yeah. about at times. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I, overall the game, I thought we should say played like a B to C-plus game, especially with their outside shooting. Yeah, They got plenty done yeah. going to the cup. They had lots of dunks and layups defensively. Pretty solid, very solid in the second half, leaking the first. Doug McDaniel getting everybody in foul trouble <laughs> just by driving the ball in that first half. But Michigan yeah. just didn't hit enough threes to keep the game close. was dreadful taking care of the ball. I mean, 22 turnovers. Uh, I don't have any explanation for the last seven-plus minutes of the game. I mean, Michigan was playing good defense, but Michigan was just horrendous. I mean, six turnovers, no scoring in the last seven minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then what I thought was really weird, maybe just start talking about that, just the end of the game, it's a three-possession game, under two, and Michigan just doesn't even try and extend the game. It was really weird. They just kind of let me, that Hogard come in the front court, just dribble it out. I, I, 
I don't know. I just don't, it seemed like just a real indifference from not only the team, the coaching wow. staff. I don't know. It it was really strange. I thought that they just didn't really try the last bit. I don't know. Yeah, they're um, it's a weird program, right? <laughs> it's a weird program. I I it was after we had recorded our preview, but you know I, I mentioned a second ago I did Jack Ebling's uh, show, um, the Drive with Jack on Friday, and we were talking about obviously this game. And right before that started, I had seen Juwan Howard's press conference, and the first question to him was something like, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was a writer from the Michigan Daily, the student newspaper. And she asked something like, um, you know, what are, what's, what do you need to do to win? Again, yeah. that's paraphrasing. Sure. And his answer, what's the most important thing to winning this game? And his answer was health. <laughs> and then he went on a rambling discussion. And the next uh, press member who asked a question followed up on it and said, can you give us any specifics? Because it sounds like you're saying someone's out. And his answer was, well, ask Michigan Medicine, basically. <laughs> um, so I had said to Jack, I'm like, I think somebody or somebody's are missing this game. And sure enough, Terrence Williams was out with an illness. Now, they didn't give any details as to what, but um, it, the whole performance was bizarre. If the guy's sick, and you're going to bring it up, just say so. Yeah. You know, and it, 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 it was strange. It was like, does does Jawan have a problem with the way the University of Michigan's uh, um, health authorities are acting in this? It kind of seemed like that, but you couldn't tell. Then he also dusted off the dreaded term, you know, we're always concerned with the safety of our players. Like, where have I heard that before? Oh, that's right. All the games that they canceled... <laughs> Yeah. quote unquote due to COVID uh, you, you know you just you didn't know so just one more thing to pile on to the seemingly endless amount of weird things around this program really before this year but it's accelerated this year it's just been weird event after weird event after weird event um, I don't have an explanation for why they didn't try to extend the game a little earlier, um, but they didn't. And that made it a lot easier on Michigan State yeah. to just run the, run the clock out on this thing because even though MSU was not particularly efficient late in the game offensively, they weren't scoring much, they were bleeding the clock. <laughs> yeah. there was, they were taking a lot of time on those possessions as they should which was, was good to see and help, you know, preserve that lead and didn't make it uncomfortably close. I've got really two numbers that I think really tell ultimately the story of this game and why it ended the way it did. One, you already alluded to in part, over the last seven minutes and one second, Michigan State outscored Michigan 10-0. Now, the 10 is not a great number. <laughs> no. As I said, MSU actually down the stretch missed some good shots, had some opportunities to really push the lead out even further. They could have easily won this game by, you know, the same whatever it was, 18-point margin, I think, that they won the game at Breslin. Yeah. If they had hit some very makeable shots, but they didn't. But the number that stands out, of course, is the zero. Yeah. And so once again, I'll, I'll throw another number out, over the last 13 minutes and change of that game, Michigan State out. Michigan had a um, was it a six point lead? No. Anyway, yep. Over 40, the last 53, 13 47 minutes, at the 13 13 mark. Yeah. So over the last um, uh, 13 minutes, I believe they were out. Michigan was outscored 26 to 10. Yep. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So once again, we saw it in the Illinois game, and it was a similar phenomenon here, Michigan State really closed strongly. And, you know, the the uh, that's the thing. The offense between the 13-minute mark and the 7-minute mark, those six minutes was pretty good. They MSU scored 16 points, and mm -hmm. Michigan scored 10. 
uh, and then it went, you know, 10 the rest of the way. But <laughs> I think part of the part that you have to like is that I thought Michigan State really did ramp up its defense. At the first half, it was, you know, not the not the greatest effort we've seen from Michigan State defensively. Yeah. I think Michigan hit some shots, but there were you mentioned, you know, Doug McDaniel got loose. I thought Michigan State was overhelping off the wrong guys on the perimeter. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and that led to some easier shots. And down the, you know, the stretch, the last 13 minutes of this game, and particularly the last seven, yeah, Michigan was helping along with a lot of turnovers, although I'll tell you, Michigan State set what has to be a season high. Michigan had 22 turnovers, 15 of them were steals. <laughs> 15 yeah. steals. All three starting guards had three apiece. That's, you don't see that very often. But but even beyond the turnovers, I just thought Michigan, you know, MSU just completely took the three away late, which was critical because once you get that lead up to, you know, the six, eight, ten, you're talking two or three possessions. Well, the and and the clocks is tick is ticking down. The biggest thing you gotta worry about is don't let them shoot their way back into this from three. Right. You know, because that's a risk could, for sure. That yeah, and MSU really took that away. Um so I thought I thought the that's an encouraging thing to see that once again, Michigan State in a competitive game, actually, just like in the Illinois game, a game where they actually trailed, just kind of, yeah, they scored some, but the bigger thing was they just played really, really good defense and made it extremely hard on Michigan to do anything on the offensive end, and and that's how you, you get a win. I think that if you look at other components of the game, you mentioned the three-point shooting. If MSU is just average, like <laughs> By normal, you know, by the average team standards in NCAA basketball, not average Michigan State standards, from three, they win this by 20. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, they just, it was one of those days they got good shots. I thought the vast majority of them were good looks. They just did not fall. Um, and, and so that was really the only thing that kept Michigan alive because if you look at the other things MSU did, boy, turnovers, <laughs> massive advantage. Not just in numbers, but in points off turnovers. I mean, it mm -hmm. was, what was yeah. the final? 27 to 11. Brutal. was brutal. Yeah. Um, rebounding was pretty even, but that's mm -hmm. that's okay. Michigan didn't, Michigan State did not allow Michigan to hang in the game due to that. And then transition play, MSU was a lot of it due to, trans, to uh, turnovers, but not all of it. MSU just absolutely ran them out of the building in that phase. <laughs> yeah. So if you do enough of those things and then you just generally play much better defense as they did in the second half, um, you know, it it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for uh, even a team that's got a, uh, a big advantage um, from three to hang in there and win a game. So MSU did enough of the things they needed to do. And boy, if the threes, as I say, had even been average, this is a real blowout instead of just a garden variety, comfortable looking win. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it's been impressive how Michigan State at the end of this game, and even when in the middle of the game, they do not seem to panic or get concerned when they're down a few buckets. And yeah. I think the only time we've really seen that was, was when Tyson Walker went down at Minnesota. Yeah. You saw a little bit of just kind of discombobulation, you know, and, and then by the time they sort of righted the ship, it sort of had already kind of sailed. <laughs> And so, yeah. but uh, other than that, they've been, they've responded well. And so it's showing some maturity, which what you expect from this, from, you know, this backcourt, uh, but you're actually starting to see it now manifest itself during games, which is very encouraging. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about that though, because one thing I am going to take issue with, um, I, for the second game in a row, I really didn't love it. Well, no, the, I mean, the fouls were bad. Yeah. They were kind of just the, because that was really bad. He put himself the out of the game. Yeah, the first one in particular was ludicrous, and then he yells at Jade Nakins. Like Jade Nakins didn't take an ineffectual swipe at the ball when he's <laughs> underneath the basket, so that yeah. was dumb. But then, even in the second half, it was okay. He did some good things at times, but I thought 
again, I thought he was a guy that, you know, once again, you saw AJ settle a little bit where th- that's, that's a problem. When he wants to settle for a 15-foot jumper, that's just not smart basketball. Now, to his credit, he also had some great plays. I thought his transition pass to Malik. Um, oh, yeah. For I thought he threw it away. Spectacular. <laughs> right on the money through it. The only place it could be to complete it, and he put it there. So he did some good things. He was, And he was largely part of that. Um, that defensive effort down the stretch. I thought he played well. He was one of those guys that really took threes away. So he did some good things, but I just, I need to see a little more maturity from him, frankly, because this was not Mm -hmm. a great effort on his part, in my opinion. And it's one of the reasons why this game was as competitive as it was, because uh, a locked-in A.J. Hogard, again, they win this by 20. Yeah, well, you don't have him sitting the... 14 minutes of the first half. Yeah. I mean, in some sense, Michigan State was lucky that the rest of the, you know, the other rest of the cast was able to hold this, hold things uh, even and didn't ha- force them to have to come in and risk it getting a third foul. But uh, yeah, you don't want your, your senior point guard. He should, that shouldn't be the situation he puts the team in. I no. had thought he was going to respond after his last game since he seems to kind of get up for bigger games. Yeah. And he didn't, this guy, you know, at some point he's going to come back, come back. And I, you know, maybe it's the Iowa game. I bet he's going to get a, um, <laughs> talking to and it's just yeah. too bad that he has to keep getting re-reminded you know to it focus. is but this is look this is the roller coaster ride we've been on for four years right so why should it change now <laughs> um i do but but speaking of the subject of maturity or lack thereof i i want to make sure that we touch on this because i saw tonight i talked about aj's foul being dumb that first one listen he looked like a Mensa candidate by comparison <laughs> to the, the foul that took place with 0.4 seconds left in the first half by Doug McDaniel fouling Davis Smith. I don't know if I've ever seen a dumber play. It's right up there. <laughs> it's right up there. You know, for starters, he makes a bad pass that ends in a, a turnover. Um, I believe Cohen Carr. Was the guy he who got tipped the steal. it or something? Yeah. The well, oh, then he tried to throw it ahead. He, he got, got tipped the steal, to the side. Right. Yeah. He tried to throw it ahead to Tyson, which was the right play to try to make. It got deflected. Yeah. Davis Smith, and Davis Smith is <laughs> thirty feet from the basket, and it's Davis Smith. Doug McDaniel grabs him, grabs him as he's going by him around the waist. Davis Smith isn't going anywhere. Maybe he gets off a heave. Maybe. <laughs> Doug McDaniel grabs him, and Davis Smith, to his credit, who was in there only because uh, they wanted to avoid Jade Nakins picking up. I believe it was Jade Nakins. He turns either Jade Trey or Holliman. Trey Holloman. They, yeah. t- they, they took Trey Holloman yeah. out to avoid getting a second foul because uh, mm-hmm. Izzo doesn't think they're going to have another chance to score. Nobody does. <laughs> no. But, you know, uh, that first of all, Michigan tries to go into off- their offensive set a little early, but then to throw it away like that and then to compound it by the dumbest foul in the history of college basketball and then to credit Davis <laughs> Smith, who was not in those situations ever really, he steps up and drains two free throws uh, to give Michigan State the lead at the half. They were yeah. tied. You know, Michigan had that last possession. They were trying to get the lead going into halftime. Huge momentum play. Now, it didn't end up mattering so much because Michigan came out and actually had a lead for quite a bit of the first, say, seven minutes to the second half. But still, I just yeah. I, I had to call that out because Doug McDaniel, you know, we we've talked about the act the weird again, another weird thing, the weird academic stuff, um, all of that. And the only way, and I we said this in our preview, I repeated it on my appearance on Jack's show. Uh, it's hard to imagine a way in which Michigan wins this game if they don't get a great effort from Doug McDaniel. Well, we, we'll talk about it in a little more detail, I imagine, in a few minutes, but suffice yeah. it to say, they did not get that. And that play I'm talking about was kind of where a lot of that started, and it just didn't get any better from there. There's total judgment, maturity, all of it, out the window. Yeah, first of all, uh, if you had Davis Smithing two free throws on your bingo card, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, the se- well, how about this? <laughs> the two second... free throws in the first half. 
Well, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then the other thing, which is, I thought was, so you mentioned the dumb, the dumb foul, but the play right before it was as dumb because you have David Smith on the floor. Yep. You have uh, Burnett in the Correct. corner. Why McDoug, uh, McDaniel doesn't dribble towards that side and force oh, some decision with David my Smith. Mind. They, yep. Right. And right. I mean, you could, you could force some sort of action and get something to happen. Yep. Whether Burnett just takes Smith. I, it doesn't make any sense, yes. but you know, again, I, there was a lot that didn't I make saw, sense this game. I saw exactly that. You're exactly right. They had Burnett in that corner. Davis Smith was guarding him because he's got to guard somebody, and you don't want to put him on McDaniel. So Burnett <laughs> is a guy who is not a great shooter, but he's capable of hitting shots um, from time yeah. to time, and he's 6'4", 6'5". Yeah, Why? I mean, you can force like, yeah. get a foul, you can drive Why? on Smith, right? Or get a switch Why or something. Why would you I don't not know. take Just... the action to that side of the floor? It's amazing. Instead, he was trying, I can't remember who he was trying to get the ball to, but he was basically trying to make a pass, maybe the free throw line area, the high. Maybe come yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was ill. The whole thing was ill-conceived. But that's, <laughs> you know, that's Michigan basketball. Ill-conceived. Well, I tell you what, yeah. If you haven't watched much Michigan basketball, you got a full dose helping of it today. And the guy sitting next to me, I uh, was just like, I don't know. This, he said, I don't know why you guys aren't up to by 20. I said, well, you know, not making shots right now. But he's like, this is, so this team is terrible. Yeah, well, that, that really is why. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny to say that a 10-point road victory over your rival and you come away from it kind of, you know, shrugging your shoulders and going, eh, it's all right. <laughs> But that's truly what it was. I, Michigan State did not play great basketball. They did a they did a few things well. They did enough well to win. Um, but it was not a great game by any by any no. uh, in any sense, you know. No, I mean Michigan State went on a ten zero run. But I mean, how many shots did right. they missed in that? Why have we talked about that ten zero run? Could have easily been eighteen or twenty if they'd been just halfway efficient down the stretch. The only thing again. I do want to reiterate, I do give them credit, though. The only thing you cannot have in that period is quick shots, and they didn't have many of those. The only one they had was there was a possession where somebody, maybe it was Jaden, missed a three. MSU gets the offensive rebound, and it comes out to Tyson, who immediately launched. And I'm screaming. (laughs) Take time. (laughs) You don't need it. The difference between 8 and 11 isn't as big as taking those 18 seconds off the clock at this stage, right. you know? Yeah. Well, for a team that's indifferent, it doesn't even try and win at the end. I guess maybe it doesn't yeah. matter. So, uh, Well, let's talk about the Brothers Just Two Gutters. They sponsored the player that Michigan State needs to keep in the gutter, uh, which was Doug McDaniel. Uh, the brothers are the ones who take care of all the water problems you have in your house. So, as you know, in the state of Michigan, whether it's your house or your business, if you've got a problem with even one gutter, it can cause all kinds of issues. So they can come out, they can replace or repair all your gutters, your downspouts, whatever you need done. Or maybe you just have one section that's causing you problems. Maybe you have one part that's right next to a bunch of trees that's just getting filled with leaves all the time and you're tired of cleaning you out, getting on a ladder. And, you know, it's very expensive when you fall off those ladders. Uh, that you end up limping around for a while. So get the experts to do, take care of it for you. The breast adjuster gutters on the west side, east side of the state, they will do the job for you. Final four, when you do your, get your estimate, uh, you can Curtin his team in Grand Rapids and uh, Greg and his team in the Metro Detroit area. They will take care of you, and they have very professional people who come out and do things quickly in any weather. So they're out right now, and you can come out and have them done. And any, we've had a number of people contact us and compliment us and thank us for uh, directing them to the Brothers Suggested Gutters. And if they didn't do such a good job at my house, I wouldn't recommend them, but they do fantastic work. All right, so Michigan State needed to keep Doug McDaniel in the game. Uh, and, you know, in some respects, I guess Doug did it himself, but... Uh, he fit, played 38 minutes, 4 of 13 from the field, 3 or 7 from 3, which is kind of where he did his damage, 2 of 4 from the line, had a couple uh, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 turnovers, 3 steals, and finished with 13 points. And uh, he would make a good play, and then he'd have an inexpl- inexplicable, you know, throwing the ball away or something at <laughs> the lane. I, he was, and I, and I saw early in that game, too, his inability to defend, which is not keeping yeah. him in the gutter, but... He was pretty bad yeah, sometimes. He he just look. This was a guy who I think down the stretch last season, uh, even though Michigan was not able to make it in the NCAA tournament, 
he provided reason to think, all right, this is a guy who's developing. He outperformed as a freshman uh, relative to what expectations were, which were kind of muted. I think most people thought he'd need at least a year to adjust. And by the second half of last season, he would, if you remember that game, I was talking about it with Jack. That game that MSU lost at Chrysler last year, Doug McDaniel down the stretch was really tough. It was two guys who really beat them. Mm-hmm. It was two freshmen, McDaniel and, and Terrace Reed. Um, so yeah. they had reason to think coming back this season, all right, this guy's ready to take a step up and maybe be, you know, some level, not necessarily first team, but some level of all Big Ten caliber player. And instead, even before this academic nonsense, uh, he was he was basically playing the way he did tonight, which is he makes enough plays to make you understand that he's capable of making plays. But he does so many lazy things. <laughs> he exhibits so much bad judgment at times that it. It leaves you at the end of it, at least the way I look at it as a as a non-Michigan fan, saying you might be better off. Now, they're not better off without him this year because they literally have no other point guard. So when he has to sit on the road, <laughs> yeah. that's why it's terrible. But, you know, I believe we talked about this in the preview, did we not, that there's an argument that Michigan is not worse off without him this year at least at times yeah. and i i you know i look at the turnover numbers and i think michigan had 18 or 19 of them the game at breslin without him well, what they have tonight with him 22 and he had 22 five. yeah three three assists five mm-hmm. turnovers not good one for six on twos <laughs> not good the only thing that even mm-hmm. halfway salvaged the performance was that three for seven from three um, and most of that came in yeah. the first half where I didn't think MSU consistently did a great job defending him. I think in the second half, they were much better. Um, you know, yeah, they kept him in the gutter, man, 13 points, but it was an ugly, inefficient 13 points and he didn't do anything else. Well, maybe give him credit for three steals. That's it. So then we'll move on to the Michigan player that cleans the glass best brought to you by the squeegee squad of Grand Rapids. They're the best team. They clean your glass, whether it's your home or business or even a high rise. They've even cleaned the state capitals windows. So if you want the professionals to take care of it, contact the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids. You can find their contact information at our support page at tffinots.com slash support. Uh, they were great when they did our windows. They cleaned our screens. They did all the stuff that, uh, frankly, we just never do. So <laughs> our windows are finally clean. And they came out in this weather uh, in February. So they will come out any time of weather as long as it's safe or not um, too far below zero where their buckets of water just freeze into solid chunks of ice. So <laughs> it has to be a little bit warmer, but right now they can take care of things. They'll get on the ladders, they'll clean things from the inside. Super friendly, very meticulous. Uh, you'll be super happy if you use them. 15% off the estimate if you mention rebound uh, and the, you listen to the show uh, when you get your, uh, get your estimate. So uh, you have a five, four and a half lead going into the game. Uh, you picked... Uh, huh. Madi Sissoko and I picked Malik Hall. Malik Hall finished with I think four four boards, yeah. four boards. Madi with one, and so now Madi's yeah. had three straight games with yeah. one. And surprisingly, uh, Cooper had seven, which is maybe not that surprising. But Jackson Cole finished with seven rebounds in only thirteen minutes. I uh, so it, I mean before you go, so Sissoko was seven minutes, Cooper twenty three, Cole thirteen, and then. Booker with three, and I think Booker pretty much played the five when he was out there. Yeah, so, he did. Interesting. We're starting to see definitely a shift in the rotation. I, there's no question now yep. where things are headed. Yep, I, I would agree. And so we are we are now, I think, officially past the default Mari Sissoko era of this contest. Um, I think you should still pick him next time, just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, and, and you can't argue with it. You know, now this was not a perfect game by either Jackson or um, Carson by any means, but I was pretty happy with the way they played, and I was actually happy with the brief turn that Book had as well. Yeah, even though he I didn't he was score, good. even though he did two score, rebounds in three minutes. Yeah, pretty good. And, and and defensively, he made a play against Camwa 
where he forced a miss. You know, he contested a shot in the middle of the lane. Mm-hmm. They, he missed it, so I'm going to give Book credit for that, using his length. Uh, and I thought he looked very together. Now, unfortunately, I think in the second half, the game didn't open up in a way that Izzo would have felt comfortable repeating that with him. But I liked the way he played. Um, and, and then getting back to the two guys who tied for the rebounding lead, you're absolutely right. The only thing that that really ruined the night at all by Jackson was that he just couldn't finish. I mean, yeah. he had basically every one of the opportunity. What was he one for five from the floor? Yeah, and he just just his and one is the only thing he got. Yeah, and and you know once again they're like this guy's making good moves using his body well to create opportunities, and then just not hitting them, which is something we saw at times last year. I hope, you know, look, he's still, we have to remember, had a lot of time off. So oh, yeah. the rhythm is is not clearly not back yet. But look, the way he rebounded, and I thought the way he hunted there defensively in this game, I thought it was very, very encouraging. And Carson Cooper, you know, people bitch and moan about the scoring, and I'm sure, I haven't really looked, but I'm sure Twitter world got lit on fire when he blew that dunk, <laughs> but you know, what do you have? Seven boards. He did have three turnovers, which was unfortunate. Two of those but, offensive rebounds, I think, were putbacks yeah. too. I mean, I think they yep. were yeah putback dunks. Yep, and and four points, and had a steal as well. And I thought he too in the second half played very well defensively. They had him guarding Camwa. For some of uh, some of that time, mm-hmm. or he would get switched onto Camwa, and that is a tough cover. And he hung in there, and I thought did a really nice job defensively. So to me, both of those guys, both Cooper and Kohler, are are starting to. There's a reason why what you said at the outset of this discussion, why the minutes were seeing them shift. Because those guys are starting to actually deliver some things that this team needs, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, we're looking at all American performances, but look, those two guys combined seven points, fourteen boards. You'll take that, right? I mean, for sure. That's, yeah. yeah, and I think you're you're starting to see you're starting to see something out of the five now, and. And, uh, you know, Mahdi gave the rebounds, he the screening, but offensively there's really nothing there. I mean, he'd you know, hit some foul shots or something like that, or occasional um, bucket, but he, they're still not giving you the post-up moves. I mean, Jackson's trying. Carson really isn't. Wow. He's trying. He, it's not he, very effective. He shouldn't. It was a, there was another turnover on. Yeah, he right, exactly. And that's the case yeah, with he, both of those guys, just the – I know it's not going to stop because this is Tom Izzo basketball and, and he's going to continue doing it. <laughs> but if it were me, um, no more, no more design post touches. Those guys get the ball at the rim, let them get it on a, on a, a dump off or uh, an offensive rebound. No more post-ups because they're just wasted possessions. But, but, you know, here's the thing. What, why I think we're seeing this shift, it is not because Jackson Kohler has more offensive potential um, than Mati Sissoko per se. It's that Izzo is seeing enough out of those two guys defensively that he can then look at the offensive end and say, well, these guys are giving me a little more offensively than we're getting out of Mati. Yeah. And if, if the defense is you know, a negligible difference, which it hasn't always been, but it, it honestly, to me, if I had to right now, I think Carson's actually playing the best defense of the three, but I think Jackson has, he's shown improvement. He is better than he was Mm -hmm. last year. He's not a finished product, but he is better than he was last year. And if you're getting that out of those two guys, well then what, what justification is that? And also too, that they're playing well in the screen game, that they're setting good picks, then what yeah. justification is there to play Mahdi more minutes? You know, I thought Mahdi, this might be a game for him to get back on the beam because I thought his strength might be required against Reed. And sure enough, Reed had a great game, 15 or 11. He's probably the only guy yeah. at Michigan that can feel really good about the game he had. But, um, 
uh, Marty was not, you know, Marty was in, he picked up some fouls and then that was kind of it. You know, Izzo went with the younger guys because they were playing well enough. Yeah. And I think overall they're offensively, they're a little bit more of a threat and they move better yeah. and they, they just, the flow is just better when they're in there offensively. Yeah, it, it feel, it, uh, whether they're actually doing it, you know, actually contributing or not, they actually feels like but they're, they're part of that. All true. But again, <laughs> where that, <laughs> this is the part that people miss when they talk about this stuff. They're not playing more strictly because of that. They're playing more because no, right. they have that element. That's all true but they're holding it down defensively. That is always going to be the key. Yeah. And the one other thing, point I had, you know, the offensive rebound that Xavier Booker had is a rebound he didn't get earlier this yep. season. He was a, a huge hustle play. It was a play that he had to reach and, get, and he tapped it. It got out and it was very impressive. Uh, and it is unfortunate he didn't get a second turn, but just because of the way the game yeah. sort of shook out. But I think we're starting to see a development where he's understanding what he has to do and sort of that level of energy that he did not bring earlier this season. So we're going to see more of him, I think, if if you see more. I mean, I know that sort of play. The coaching staff watches, yep. okay, this is what we need to see get out and of you. You keep doing that, and you're going to get more minutes. It's pretty simple, I think. That's And that'll hopefully quiet the critics of not playing him enough. When they go over the film and they see that, yes, it's going to get pointed out. I liked his defensive rebound too. Um, it, yeah, always good. Yeah, good. Yeah, he's strong. He's strong. Took some contact. Exactly. And so good. Exactly. Yeah. He got it. He secured it in through some contact in traffic. Um, like I said earlier, I it was a brief turn, but man, I, and defensively, he had that contest against Kamwa. I thought he played very well. You know, um, and the same thing for Cohen Carr played his best game, his most impactful game in weeks. I mean, obviously the, oh, yeah. the two dunks are, are going to be things people remember, but he also hit two out of three free throws. And I, and I thought, mm -hmm. you know, what's been, what's been holding him back lately in my view is that I think opposing teams have started to kind of find him defensively when he's in the game. And there's been, you know, when this is not, I, I don't mean this to sound like a huge criticism because he's a freshman and this happens to freshmen. Um, he doesn't yet have, he, he's not leak proof by any means, you know? And so he's yes. been prone to some mistakes, positioning mistakes, kind of getting lost, mm -hmm. um, not recovering the way he needs to, all of that. And, and I thought it was much better tonight. Now, again, he, I don't think he played in the second half. If he did, it was brief. Yeah, he did, he but it did was a, it was a very impactful first half out of him. And they needed yes. it because, again, the foul trouble AJ was in, that meant they really needed him to step up and give them um, that extra guy, that fourth guy in the perimeter rotation because otherwise they were down to, Trey and Tyson and AJ and or just Trey and Tyson and Jaden, I mean. And you can't ride that for whatever it was. How how much did AJ sit out? Fifteen minutes, sixteen minutes, something like that. You need it, you really needed Cohen to step up and produce in this game. And I thought he did at both ends. I didn't think he was bad defensively, and obviously we know he was able to give them a real uh real impact on the offensive end. So a good night for those two freshmen, for sure. Um, and and then really, even if you if you count uh, the sophomores, you know. So we're talking about the young guys collectively. We talked about Carson and Jackson, but you know, as I look at Trey Holloman's night, and Trey's been fighting it. I felt offensively lately. Last three or four games, he hasn't been as good as he's been. But you look at his performance tonight: uh, six points. He was zero for two on threes, but he was. He was two for three on twos. He was two for two at the line, a couple rebounds, two assists, no turnovers, had a block and a steal in 22 minutes. And again, first half was when they really needed him to step up, and he did. Yeah. Um, I, I liked his game. He didn't, he missed a couple threes, but he once again showed that ability he's got, and he's, he's showing a lot of confidence with it this season to take people off the dribble, look to finish at the rim. 
Um, that's important for him, and it's going to be important next year as he likely grows into a role where they're going to ask a little more out of him offensively. He's got the capability to do that, in my view, and those a night like this one is an example of it. So I think those five young guys between the sophomore and freshman classes really played well in this game. They all gave Michigan State some real tangible contributions. All right, well, then let's move on to the five keys of the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. Nudgeprinting.com is your go-to place for Spartan apparel. They have all sorts of different Spartan apparel logos. They've got the traditional ones. They've got vintage ones. Uh, I've got a bunch of new uh, Nudge Printing products, actually. So I wore my uh, TFF, I know, TS shirt today, my hoodie. Super comfortable, breathable, but I got a nice quarter zip I'm going to wear tomorrow. Uh, I've got also a full zip sweatshirt all super comfortable. Uh, they're just the best products. Uh, also nice screen printed material. So you don't have to worry about washing a bunch. It really holds up. And so it's really great stuff. Uh, 20% off. You mentioned final four or type it in, I should say one word at checkout when you uh, go to get your products. And so get a nudgeprinting.com for all your gear. Uh, so the first key of the game is the guarding the arc and Michigan State, especially as you mentioned, second half really did a great job limiting Michigan's attempts. Uh, they were uh, two for seven in the second half from three, yeah. and I think those two came early, and then they were just like over yep. after that. And then the first half they definitely got a little bit going, but even then it was not great. I mean, they were you know seven of twenty for the game, so uh, it was it was a pretty average performance for Michigan and an average amount of attempts of seven for twenty. So I thought they did a good job of really limiting the damage Michigan could have done. Yeah, one of those in the second half was a weird Michigan guy. It was a it was a play where Malik Hall missed a mid-range jumper, and it, the rebound kicked out in a way that got Michigan into semi-transition, and somehow Michigan State didn't match up at all with Namari Burnett. He was just yeah. sitting wide open. I mean, you could not. It was the most open shot anybody had this game, and he drained it. But other than that, I think the big number in the second half, honestly, is not even so much the percentage, which was solid. They held mm-hmm. them to 28.57%, two for seven. But it's the seven. It's the attempts were so low. Yeah. Especially right. down the stretch when Michigan yeah, State when behind. took the lead. Mich- you know Michigan wanted to shoot threes. They wanted to get a look, and Michigan State just did not let anybody get a clean look at the basket. It wasn't that... Michigan was turning good looks down. They just didn't have them. So the only thing they could have done would have been to just force up strongly contested shots, and they didn't do that. Um, So I thought, you know, overall, I'm not unhappy with what MSU did, you know, in in that regard. They, I think it's one of the things we talk about Michigan offensively. There's really only two things you can say are strengths, and that's their three-point shooting is – uh, a, a reasonable strength and their offensive rebounding is a reasonable strength. Um, well, in regard to the three-point shooting, it was okay. By comparison to what Michigan State did, it was an advantage tonight, but it wasn't enough to really give them a great shot to win the game. They needed to do more and Michigan State limited what they could do. Yeah. I mean, they, they shoot 36% of the season. They shot 35 in this game. So, uh, right. And as you mentioned, the numbers are not really high right. as for volume. Uh, so number two key to the game was Road Warriors. Michigan State now picks up their third win on the road in the Big Ten. Uh, they're only joined just a few teams that have managed three road victories. So very good. I mean, they've showed they've gotten two in a row now, which is something they have not been able to do all season, obviously. And uh, showed that poise that we had expected from this team earlier, but are starting to finally see. Look, these are these were two road games this week that you would say, and no insult to Penn State, who's actually had, a pretty good year, I think, all mm-hmm. things considered. Um, yeah. But these are two games that you look at on paper and say, well, Michigan State has a decided advantage. They're just a better team than these two teams. Home, road, uh, Afghanistan, wherever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so those are games that if you're real, if you're a real team, meaning you're a team that uh, thinks of itself as being good, thinks of itself as being capable of going on a run and march, all of those things. These are games that you should be able to take care of, right? And that's exactly mm-hmm. what they did this week. They didn't, they, they weren't always the prettiest. They didn't just go out, blast these teams into oblivion. 
but they won. They they won without having to really sweat it down the stretch of either game. So that means they won comfortably enough that right. you know you didn't go through that kind of hassle to get one of the win column. And it's two in a row, which is just look around the Big Ten. How many teams have done that? I mean, it's Purdue and I don't know maybe Wisconsin or Illinois had a stretch where they did that this year, but that's kind of about yeah, it. That's it. Yeah, and. You know, they, you have to credit that. So they had an opportunity here against teams that they should beat on the road, and they went out and they did it. So that's, you know, that's exactly what you wanted to see. And so now what we're looking at is, I believe, two road games left, right? You got one. Yes. You got one that you you think is almost impossible to mm-hmm. get, which we'll see. You know, they're going to show up. They're going to play. I know that, and uh, <laughs> and then and then add Indiana, which frankly, hey, that's another game that I put in the same category as the two this week. That's a team you're better than. That's a team that you should you should have a great shot to win that game. It's a tougher building than either of the two they played in this week. But you know, by the time they get to that game, because it's a season finale, who knows how tough it'll be? Because you know the IU people can't be thrilled without that season's no. gone but anyway you get my point if they can yeah i mean if they can even let's say they split those two games so they end the season four and six on the road in this year's big 10 that's pretty damn that's amazing good. it's it's yeah. not what you hoped for at the start of the season but given how things have unfolded you take that yeah that's the afghanistan thing actually reminds me my son and i always play a geography game called Worldle. And we always joke about the stands. There's Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, it's a great game. Uh, so moving on to third key to the game is defensive rebounding. Uh, Michigan is a good, pretty good offensive rebounding team. Yeah, Not fantastic, top, but pretty good. Top 100. They're inside the top, top 100. 100. And they pulled down six offensive rebounds. It felt like more than that, but I guess it really wasn't, obviously. They had just a 20% offensive rebounding yeah. rate. Interestingly, Michigan State had seven. But because they took so many more shots, because Michigan had so many turnovers, they still ended up with 19%. And we thought they'd yeah. get some work done there. Yeah. And in some ways, they did. I mean, they got a couple big uh, big buckets off off their uh, offensive rebounds. A couple, I think at least two just dunks off um, off misses. They did. So, you know, overall, uh, from a defensive rebounding standpoint, another win for Michigan State. And they did have, they get out-rebounded in general for Michigan, but that is largely a result of the fact that Michigan got so many less shots up yes. that there wasn't an opportunity to get any defensive rebounds. It's why total rebounding is a joke. It doesn't tell you much. You you, yeah. you have to read it in conjunction with other things, so you might as well not even talk about it. Um, that's a win. You know, It's surprising and maybe a little bit disappointing that Michigan State didn't get more done on its offensive boards because Michigan is a really really bad defensive rebounding team. Terrace Reed was good though today. He was. He was very he good was. defensive rebounding. He was. And I think I think that was a difference in this one is that they really got what I think is one of his better games of the season all in all. But you know, he had eleven boards yeah. total. And as you say, he was at both ends. He also gave them an offensive rebounding boost too. But the for whatever that facet of the game is worth for MSU the thing they had to do, absolutely had to do, was rebound well defensively because it's one of the ways that Michigan could hang around in this game and maybe steal a win mm-hmm. is if you're giving up a lot of second-chance points. MSU did not do that. You hold a decent rebounding team to a 20% offensive rebounding rate, that is that is winning basketball in that phase of the game, 100%. Yeah, boy, Michigan... As bad as they were in the first half of turnovers, which I think it really affects that true rebounding. Just look at that, nine in the first half, 13 in the second. All right, so moving on to the fourth key of the game was pace. Michigan State, uh, I thought, pretty, pretty did a pretty good job with pace. I mean, obviously, yes. fast break points yes. was like, I mean, they just blitzed Michigan. It was, what, 19 to 2 or something like that, fast yep. break it was, points. just annihilated them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, you're right, so, you're right, 19 to 2. And they sure got a lot done fast although you know a lot of times i think they get they get a lot of threes and stuff for playing you know going inside and out and they didn't really get that because part of it was i think michigan just making a decision to guard the arc and so they just were just you know getting a lot of layups (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, I liked the way Michigan State played in this game. I liked the pace they played with. Obviously, transition is part of that. But even in the half court, I didn't see a lot of um, standing around, uncertainty, wasting time on the clock, allowing Michigan to just settle into the, a half-court defensive possession. I thought MSU, for the most part, treated this game the way they needed to in terms of pace. And again, it's a credit to them that they did a lot of it without getting the kind of minutes from A.J. Hogarth that you expect. So it was other guys. I think, you know, Trey obviously did some of that, but I also want to give some credit to Tyson Walker. First of all, Tyson, after uh, his first game in forever, dating back to last season where he didn't, reach double digits with only six points against Penn State earlier in the week, got back in in a big way, had a team high 19. So, and by the way, went six for six at the line, which was really welcome. But Good for him, yeah. Yeah, but I want to give him credit for the job he did of helping to hold this thing together while playing some point guard, which he hasn't done as much of this year. He hasn't had to because they've got Trey Holloman and they, before that they had Jeremy Fears. So, there really was no need to have him contributing much on the ball. Well, tonight there was, and I thought he I thought he really did. You know, he didn't do spectacular things as a point guard, but three assists, one turnover, and he kept it going. I thought what we're talking about, the pace of the game, he kept he kept that where it needed to be. So hats off to him. And the fifth and final key to the game was balance. And so I think there are two numbers that, point, that really point out the Michigan State's balance. So they had 40 points in the paint to Michigan's 24. But also, yeah. Michigan had 12 free throws. Michigan State had 21. I mean, there was that I think 100%. really shows you the yes. balance that they brought to the game. And that, was, and that free throw number was, of course, not skewed by desperation fouling at the end. Because <laughs> as you talked about, they weren't doing it. Um so it was a real, uh, fully earned 21 attempts. Uh, yeah, you got it. I mean, those those two numbers, um, I wondered coming into this game, and I think we talked about it in the preview, you know, Malik Hall has just been playing outstanding basketball. But at times in the Illinois game, like if you remember that stretch where he took over and they were trying to guard him with Luke Goody and it just was not going to happen. And then Penn State had... You know, they're two guys, Kern and Hicks, who yeah, physically nobody, are just yeah. not up to it. They're just not up to it. But this is a different challenge. You know, Camwa is a big kid. He's bigger than Malik. And I wondered, how is he going to, you know, how is that going to go? I knew he, I was confident that he would be aggressive, but I wondered if he would have any issues when going against a guy who was a, better match physically well we saw what happened he did a lot of work you know he he started with a jumper mid-range jumper which he's kind of become almost automatic with yeah um this year uh late as the season has unfolded but then you you started to see him doing some things in the paint as well and you know you mentioned jackson kohler had that put back carson cooper had some putbacks um Trey Holloman taking the ball to the rim and finishing. Tyson did some of that as usual. They got a little bit out of AJ in that area. Uh, Cohen Carr gave them a boost, obviously, not just with the dunks, but then he had that one weird three-point play where he got fouled, just <laughs> sort slop. of threw it for the rim, and it fell. Um, so a lot of different guys contributed to that. But, yeah, very, very important that Michigan State played that way because as we talked about you know Michigan is a very bad defensive team overall but they're particularly bad against twos so if you look at what Michigan State did in this game um they get three 25 <laughs> well so they were they were 25 for 49 a little bit above 50 percent from two mm-hmm. so that that and seventeen for twenty one at the line, eighty one percent. That will solve. That will mitigate the damage from a weird two for fourteen from three performance. 
you know? Yep. And, and so they did what they had to do in terms of balance, I felt. The other thing is with Olivier Camois and Malik Hall, you know, it's just looking at them together. Malik really struggled early in that first half. I mean, dribbling into traffic and get, I mean, he had, I he think, had, three turnovers in the first half. That was his, and he ended yeah. with four. You're right. But Kemba right. had got a little eight turnovers. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, and, and that's the thing. What's weird about it, and Kemba has more problems in this area than, than Malik does. I think he came into the game, if he's not even, he was very nearly so in terms of assists and turnovers. But he does rack up for a power forward a fair amount of assists. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at what Malik calls assist-to-turnover ratio is lately, but I'm I'm quite sure it's still in a healthy spot. So um, it was strange in this game. We've seen evidence of his exceptional ball handling in tight quarters at times this recently. And, and I thought tonight in the first half he just tried to dribble through a phone booth, <laughs> so to speak, a little too often, but then he stopped doing that. Whereas Camois was just hemorrhaging them throughout. So it was a big yeah, difference. That was a big, I think that was a big difference because I think offensively, from a point standpoint, they're about the same. Uh, but that was a huge difference that just Camois just kept giving the ball away. And and after that first few minutes, Malik was really solid. I mean, for this year, he's still 52 assists and 29 turnovers even after today's uh, There you go. So, so, so yeah. almost a two-to-one ratio yeah. for a power forward who's – who's not really, we're not talking about Draymond Green here. They don't run a ton of offense through him, but he just doesn't have games like this very no, often. No, I think he did early this season, but he has not really had trouble with that at the least yeah. the last like 10 games or whatever the stretch is that he's been playing really well. So Yeah, uh, yeah. so a great win for Michigan State. Again, you know, they now have run three in a row uh, with the opportunity to win, you know, two games at home now against teams that are struggling, although they can, well, Play in another team that has just recently beaten Wisconsin <laughs> in Iowa. They got the big win uh, in overtime at at home, uh, actually, which interestingly puts you know Michigan State now tied for third with Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin obviously is a tiebreaker since yeah. the season sweep. But uh, you know, there's it, the one thing I think you'd re- prefer is to not be the four seed in the Big Ten tournament if you want to do a little damage in the Big Ten tournament. You don't want it, that way you can avoid Purdue until the finals if possible. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here coming going forward, but it's a good win. But you can definitely see why Michigan is. There's no question that their record is a, is an appropriate record. <laughs> they are just really terrible. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, going back to the Wisconsin thing for a second, it's it is interesting because they also traveled to West Lafayette, right? In in what's left of the season. In that respect, they're even with Michigan yeah. State, and they host so Illinois. The opera. Right, exactly. And I believe they've got another road game. I can't remember yeah. who it was against. This was one this was one that I thought was droppable today, and they did in overtime against Iowa. Um but there, yeah, there's a chance. Now Michigan State, if they want third to themselves, which is what they have to do to get the third seed, as you say, Wisconsin owns a tiebreaker, uh, they can't afford to slip up against anybody but Purdue. Right, they got to go four and yep. one mm-hmm. down the stretch. But I think, but I think that's entirely possible because three of those other four games are at home, and the one that's on the one that's on the road is at Indiana. Which you know, as I said a while ago, you ought to win that one. You know, it doesn't mean they will. Doesn't mean bad things can't happen. But you look at it now objectively, and you think that's a game Michigan State can get. So the opportunity may well be there. And boy, when, when you think back to one and four in the league to, to be talking about finishing third um, would be quite yeah, a turn for sure. Yeah, Wisconsin's lost five of the last six. Their last five games are home against Maryland, then at Indiana, then home games against Illinois and Rutgers and finish the season at Purdue. So, you know. I would say, you know, at at Indiana is the same risk as Michigan State has, yeah. obviously. But I would tell you the one that strikes me as dangerous. Right now, Rutgers is a dangerous mm-hmm. team. I agree. They have been playing much, much better. They they just added this kid's name, Williams, Jeremiah Williams, who was originally committed to Illinois. Imagine <laughs> if they'd been able yeah. to add him. And then he ended up at Rutgers. There were some eligibility issues, blah, blah, blah. He's playing for Rutgers now. And since he has come into the lineup, 
they've completely turned it around. I wouldn't bet on Rutgers winning that one, but Rutgers has done enough to where they actually, it is not completely beyond the realm of possibility that they can play their way into the tournament. They've got a lot of work to do, but they are the one team out of the bottom eight in the Big Ten that actually has a, a, a at least a faint pulse. So my point is they're probably going to be very motivated. And, you know, Wisconsin is just, let's just be honest about it. Their water is finding its level. You know, that's a good team. It's a veteran team, a lot of experience, and they added a score in store that they did not have last year. But the way the season's panning out is kind of what I think they actually are. I don't think they're a great defensive team, and I think that, you know, they're a good team offensively. They're not a great one. So we're seeing that we're seeing that coming coming to fruition, I think. And yeah, MSU's got a legit chance, but you got yeah, to win these games. I mean, like obviously, yeah, Wisconsin interesting because you know when we had Garland on, we were all talking like this is a really good team, and then they've just been nosedive since then because they maybe they just match up well against Michigan State. I don't know. Well, they were matching up well against a lot of people yeah, at that that's point. True. At yeah. that, at the point we had that discussion, I believe they, I believe they were still in first. Oh yeah, over by themselves. They were eight outright. and one. They were ahead of three eight and one. Yeah, right. So what we're seeing is again, I think it's it's a good team. I don't think Wisconsin's garbage, but I think we're seeing water finding its level. You know, defensively, I thought they were suspect in some ways. It wasn't costing them, and now it is. And offensively, you know, I at least in bits and pieces of games I've seen lately, Store maybe hasn't been as efficient mm-hmm. as he yeah. was earlier. I haven't looked at his stats, but that's the feel I've had. Um, and, you know, their team, when you look at that team, other than Store, is there anybody that, look, when you talk about Michigan State, Say what you want, but there are some guys. Yeah, Tyson Walker is obvious, but we know what A.J. Hogarth can do in an individual game. We know what Jade Nakins can do. We've been seeing what Malik Hall can do. Michigan State's got multiple guys that on a given night you can look at and say, that guy can take things over. I don't, outside a store, I'm not saying guys on Wisconsin's team can't have a big night, but it doesn't come in the same way I'm talking yeah. about. I just... I just think there's a there's a limitation, a ceiling to that team and where I think they're headed in terms of where their final record's going to be is probably a fair reflection of that. You know, they were playing at a level where you were looking at, you know, a 17 and 3 type season. Well, now what are we talking about? We're probably talking about 12 and 8, 13 and 7. Something like that. You know, that's what they actually are, I think. All right. Any last final thoughts? I mean, I guess we didn't really talk about Jawan again. It's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's not much more. I, well, I mentioned it at the outset, yeah. his weird pregame presser. And I, I have not gotten a chance to see the postgame. I'm sure there's probably some gems <laughs> in there, too. Um, it's a weird deal. Uh, what we should know, and I think we touched on this in the pregame, this is the first season sweep 2019, since first 2019 price, yeah. in this series. We had four straight years of season splits where the home team won. Uh, so that's really great from a Michigan State perspective. That's uh, that's nice to accomplish any time, no matter how awful they are. Um, you take it, you know. So congrats. To, and to those guys, we talked about it. Guys like Malik, all these veterans, none of them had won it. Nobody on this team had won right. at Chrysler. Right. So that's a disgrace. Michigan's not good enough. <laughs> for that to happen. I mean, they're just not. I'm not yeah, even trying no, to right. be funny. They're not. They're not that good a program. So it shouldn't be the case where a guy goes four years and doesn't get at least one win in that building. Come on. They're not serious. They're not a serious program. And you you see that evidenced in a hundred different ways. Just in my brief interactions with the crowd in there, no one was really bothered by things too much. <laughs> Guy turned around because he was excited, and then, you know, when they're up six, and then he's walking out when there's, I don't know, two and a half minutes left or something. He turns to me, he's like, hey, we got the natty. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and the guy next to me said, yeah. what does that have to do with the basketball game? I said, I don't know. You know, he's got something. <laughs> That's it. There it is. In a nutshell, 
you just described the Michigan fan base. They don't care about basketball enough for any Michigan State fan to seriously consider them. That moment crystallizes it all. They're not serious. Their fan base isn't serious. Their administration isn't serious. Clearly, their program isn't serious. You saw what you saw tonight. We see the circus that it's been all year. So, you know, they had a temporary reprieve where they got really lucky and they ended up with a guy in John Beeline who could overcome a lot of that nonsense yeah. to make them decently relevant. They Even then, they weren't as good as uh, some of the, the jokers who support them uh, thought they were. But, you know, they were, a, they were a program that occasionally would have very impressive accomplishments and more often than not were very competitive. Yeah. That's a blip. That's a blip. What you're seeing now, that's reality. Yeah. To an extent. The last two seasons, I will say. That's reality. That's what they are. So some some turn around saying, we got the natty. Yeah, and the response to that is, yeah, that's great, man. This is a basketball game, and you people don't deserve to have a competitive basketball program. You don't. <laughs> All right, well, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, next game is against Iowa at home. A quick turnaround on Tuesday night. Uh, again, check out our sponsors at the Brothers of Justice Gutters, the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids, and Nudge Printing. You can find all those links to get estimates or to get discounts at thefinalfoursonschedule.com slash support. Also, you can find ways to link to a book with by Mark, uh, Coach Mike Garland and also uh, affiliate links for Element Electrolyte, uh, which I use every day to, for my fasting. And also uh, some affiliate links for Podbean if you want to jump into podcasting yourself. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green.